Well, hey there, friend. Welcome back to another episode of the A Wife Like Me podcast. I'm your host and friend, Amanda Davison, and I'm super pumped that you are here. We are kicking off a series today on infidelity and betrayal. And even if you have not experienced this in your marriage, I pray, we ask that you would listen to each of these episodes coming up because you likely someday, if you have not yet had people in your life who you love dearly walk through betrayal or infidelity in their marriage, you probably will someday. And when that unfortunately happens, we want you to be able to provide them with biblical guidance, not not any guidance that's going to cause further harm or damage. And we want you to remember this series so that you can point those couples to this series. We are going to be interviewing so many different counselors and women who have walked through their own stories, situations of betrayal and infidelity. We're going to get many different perspectives on this topic so that we can sort of walk away with an understanding of how to be able to, again, navigate this in a way that actually brings full restoration when and if that is possible, which it is possible, which you're going to hear more about. So we are opening up this series with me. I'm going to just share a few of my insights, five insights that I have taken away from countless marriages that I sit across from every single day who have walked through betrayal and infidelity. There are so many things I could say on the topic, but I've narrowed it down to sort of five five big things, key things that couples um, kind of necessarily maybe don't even understand when they find themselves in this situation. So I want to leave you with these five truths uh, regarding betrayal and infidelity in marriage. And then again, stick around. Each week we're going to be diving into this topic with Christian counselors and women with their own stories of betrayal and infidelity. All right, you ready? Good. Okay, the first thing I know to be true about betrayal and infidelity is that any breach of trust is betrayal. Any breach of trust is betrayal. That could be infidelity or it could be something very different. I've sat across couples where one spouse is so confused and upset as to why this, you know, I'm doing air quotes, little thing is so devastating to the spouse. You know, um, maybe it was that the spouse swore they'd never have a cigarette again, but they did. And later the other spouse found out about it. Maybe it's that they said they were done drinking coffee and they find out that they've been drinking coffee for a few months and didn't want to tell them about it. It doesn't matter what type of betrayal it is. Any breach of trust is betrayal. And when you think about it, It's so devastating. Again, doesn't matter what type of betrayal it is. It's devastating because intimacy in marriage actually is trust. Trust equals intimacy. So whenever there has been a breach of trust, it feels so 
almost, it's not impossible, but it feels like how could we ever experience an intimate connection because the breach of trust has taken place. And so it's devastating no matter what it is. Okay. So I want to encourage anyone, if you yourself again, or anyone you know and love has experienced any type of breach of trust, that matters because that's a betrayal. Doesn't matter how big or small, any breach of trust is betrayal. Okay. Next, damage must be properly dealt with. Once there's been a betrayal, any type of breach of trust, the damage that's been done must be properly dealt with. Here's what happens often is a couple will come to me months after there's been a breach of trust or even years after there's been a breach of trust and they're still stuck on the betrayal. And that's because they have not, they did not at the time that the betrayal was exposed, they didn't properly deal with it. So they haven't been able to move into a season of restoration. So what happens after there's been a betrayal, it should happen, has to happen for there to be restoration, is that it has to be properly dealt with. The damage that was done has to be dealt with. How do we do that in marriage? Before a couple can move into a season of repair, there has to be two things, okay? So often, again, what especially the betrayer so often wants to do is just move on. They just want to be done with this. They maybe acknowledge what happened, but they don't want to talk about it anymore because they don't, they're not proud of it or they're embarrassed by it. They just want to move forward. They want to be moving into a season of like, let's just be done. I don't want to talk about this, right? But what what we have to wrap our minds around as married Christian couples is we can't do that unless we've properly dealt with the harm, the damage, the losses that have come with the betray that has taken place. Okay. So how do we do that? First, the betrayed, so the person that's been betrayed and the betrayer have to both first fully acknowledge the damage. They have to fully acknowledge the damage. They have to literally name it. If you think of this, I used to work for an insurance company, and whenever there was any type of damage done to a house, there's there was a house fire, there was an explosion, there was a hail damage, right? Something a, a, a house was damaged in some way. Before you can repair the what's been damaged, you have to assess it. You have to go in, you have to send an adjuster in to the house. And you have to look at every single piece of sheetrock, of shingles, of the flooring, like whatever, every single thing. And you have to go into every single area of the home to ensure there has not been damage done in those places. That matters because if you did not do that, Years later, you're going to open a closet door or you're going to move the fridge or go up on the roof to 
put some satellite on there or something. I'm making stuff up, but I'm trying to think of things. You're going to later see like, oh, oh, I had no idea that that was damaged. For example, a, a couple might, if what happens often is a couple does not do this well. And then later they are very insecure when the betrayer goes to a work meeting, let's say, out of town. And there's a huge argument because the betrayed is having a difficult time with the betrayer, you know, going off on this work meeting. And what what's going on is they didn't fully work through the pain, the damage, the fear, the insecurity that that betrayal exposed. And because they didn't fully work through it, they weren't able to fully repair it. So they don't have systems in place and tools in place to ensure that both the betrayed and the betrayer feel confident in these situations in the future. Okay, so there has to be full acknowledgement of the damage done by both the betrayed and the betrayer. Often, again, that looks like actually naming, writing out what has been lost because of the betrayal or damaged because of the betrayal. Perhaps it's that you, this is, this has damaged the relationship with the kids. Um, This is, you know, maybe there was a biblical separation in hopes for restoration, which, you know, removed the, the wife or the husband from the home for months. It has damaged that relationship. It is it has maybe in many cases um, made it difficult in the community. It's changed relationships in the community because of the betrayal. Um, it's changed relationships with in-laws or, you know, all these different types of relationships. It's changed maybe works. Maybe somebody lost their job. Maybe uh, their family business changed. There's so many things that can change and not in a good way because of the betrayal. In both the spouses, both spouses have to fully acknowledge all that's been lost. It doesn't mean it can't be rebuilt, but that there is damage done that's been done, right? And so there has to be, I see that. I see that. As painful as it is, I see the damage, okay? Then the next thing that in in order for damage to be properly dealt with, both both spouses then have to experience godly repentance shown by the betrayer. Okay, so the betrayed has to experience godly repentance from the betrayer. Oftentimes this does not happen, um, or it doesn't happen in the way that fully communicates to the betrayed that there has been godly repentance. There, There perhaps sometimes is godly repentance on the part of the betrayer, the one who has done the damage, but it just hasn't been communicated or shown in a way to the betrayed that allows for them to be able to move into a season of repair. So there has to be that godly repentance shown. And if there isn't, they're just, again, a couple will not be able to move into a season of repair. Right? They have to acknowledge and show godly repentance for the damage that's been done. I want to say that this often takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time for the betrayed to 
adequately and fully name the losses, the damage that's been done, it's layers, right? It's layers. And that takes time to process as the betrayed spouse. And then at that point, then for the betrayer to fully look at all of that damage and own it, sometimes that's a process. It doesn't happen in a day, okay? And it often happens with the guidance of godly counsel, a Christian counselor, counselors within your church, things of that nature. It takes time, okay? But you can't repair until those two things take place, until there has been, again, acknowledgement and godly repentance. Okay, so the damage must be properly dealt with. Then the third thing I want to say is that once this occurs, then the couple can finally move into a season of repair. And repair also takes time because repair looks different for every single couple depending on what the betrayal looked like. For some couples, based on their past and their experiences growing up, it might be that there are just very simple things that that betrayer needs uh, for there to be repair. Or there might be many different things based on the betrayed's uh, past experiences that need to take place in order for there to be full repair. The point is, is there are many things that that, that might look like. And, and again, highly suggest a Christian counselor help a couple walk through this process. Because, because trust has been broken, the repair takes time and it takes consistent changed behavior. Okay, which brings us to our next point. Because betrayal or infidelity is a breach of trust, couples cannot expect trust to be automatically restored. The process of repair, I think of it as a season, just like if there was a huge pipe that burst in your house or a fire. You can't come in and overnight have it be fixed. It takes time. Trust takes time and consistent changed behavior to be rebuilt. Oftentimes, once, oftentimes, once the betrayed has, just like we said a minute ago, acknowledged and shown godly repentance, godly sorrow for their actions, they just want it to go back to how it was, right? I just, like, just trust. Why can't you just trust me? I was sorry. I told you I didn't mean to do that. I didn't want to do that. It happened. I wish it wouldn't have happened. Why can't, why can't it just be like how it used to be? Well, it can't yet because think of it like a credit score. Our amazing friend, Heather Seguin, who is a Christian counselor down in California, she equates this like a credit score. You know, based on the type of betrayal that happened, it can bring a spouse's credit score way down or a little bit down based on what has been, what has taken place, right? And if the credit score is way down because there has been, let's say, infidelity, it does not go up overnight. That credit score, it takes consistent changed behavior to move that credit score slowly back up to where it once was. And so this repair season 
takes time to be rebuilt. And trust is rebuilt by consistent, repeated, changed behavior. And so there are tools, there are things that a spouse can, spouses can put in place to, to rebuild that and repair that trust. And again, a Christian counselor can help you through that process. It might be uh, shared shared access to phones. Um, well, there should always be shared and open access to phones, but that um, at the end of the day, a spouse looks through the phone um, or they share things with a spouse. Maybe they have shared email, uh, uh, you know, there's so many things that I can't even think of so many more right now, but there's so many things that, that spouses can put in place um, to to check in and to ensure that the betrayed feels like there has been consistent change behavior. And often a spouse will get frustrated. The betrayer will get frustrated that they have to do that. But then I would suggest that it really isn't godly sorrow because if it is godly sorrow, they will understand that this season of repair, that they're willing to do anything to repair it, that this season won't last forever of trust being rebuilt, but this season does need to take place for that credit score to be built back up, to get back to a place they once were. A note on this, if the betrayer has done everything possible to show proven changed behavior over an extended period of time and the betrayed still doesn't trust the betrayer, there's something deeper going on. It might be that the betrayed has prior uh, experiences of abandonment or betrayal and they just can't get over it. Um, but sometimes we do see this in the in the counseling realm where the betrayer has done literally everything possible. It's been, let's say, a year or two or whatever, an extended period of time where they have done nothing to, to show that trust has been breached in any way, shape, or form, but the betrayed cannot allow themselves to trust again. That just requires counseling because that is not then the betrayer's situation to deal with. It's the betrayed. There's something there that's preventing the betrayed from being able to move forward in trust again. And finally, the fifth thing I want to say that I know to be true about betrayal and infidelity is that restoration is possible. If you, if both, but it's only possible if both spouses are willing to do whatever it takes to restore the marriage. But restoration is possible. It is not possible, however. True restoration, true health in a marriage is not going to be possible if only one spouse is willing. Both spouses must be fully invested in whatever it takes to restore the marriage for the marriage to be restored. One spouse cannot do it. One spouse will not be able to restore what has been damaged on their own. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It is possible, friend. It is so possible. I see it every single day. Marriages are being restored 
but both spouses have to get there. And friend, if your spouse is not yet there, if your spouse is not yet willing to restore your marriage, to restore what's been broken, we're praying with you and we're believing with you that they will get there. It takes time often too for a spouse to to be ready to do whatever it takes to make the marriage restored. But it is possible. It is so possible. And God is so in the business of redeeming and restoring what has been damaged and broken. And I see it every single day that marriages come out on the other end of betrayal stronger than ever before. So Jesus, we just invite you into these spaces that we are right now. Lord, you know every single marriage, every single situation that spouses are in right now. You know the the marriage of the woman listening or the man listening to this episode. And Lord, you know exactly what their heart has been through. You know their struggle. You know the ones of their family, friends, how they are struggling with betrayal. And you know exactly what is needed for those couples to move forward. And Lord, we just pray that that would happen in Jesus' name. Bring healing. Bring courage to expose what has been damaged. Bring courage. Bring a humble heart in those who have been um, the betrayer. Bring them to their knees in full repentance, Jesus. Give them a heart that is for you and you alone and wants what you want, Lord. We pray that both spouses would be willing to be engaged in a process of restoration, whatever it takes, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we just ask, Father, that couples would truly be a representing of your love to the world. Help us, Lord. Help us have courage. Help us believe again. Have hope again. Help us forgive, Lord. And we just thank you for the work that you do, Lord, that is one that we cannot do. And so do that work in us, Lord. We pray for any type of betrayal to be exposed and that you would equip and comfort and counsel any type of betrayal that has taken place so that couples know truly how to navigate that. Help us armor up. Help us fight this spiritual battle battle that is happening all around us, Lord. We are your church. We are your bride. We are loved by you. And we know that you help us, Lord. And so just do that. Ready us and help us to just rise up to the season that we are in, Lord. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friend, we will be back next week for our first interview with a Christian counselor on the topic of betrayal and infidelity. We cannot wait. These conversations are so helpful and so good. So we will see you back here next week for an all new episode of the A Wife Like Me podcast.